Hello, and welcome to the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan, and joining me, as always, David Dixon. David, how's it going? What's going on, Kelly? First day of classes here, starting off the senior year strong, and we had to get a little little podcast in, getting ready for week one NFL. All things NFL this week, we've got a little NFL mailbag edition, so we're going to bounce around, hit on some of the pressing topics in the National Football League. So let's start with this, Dave. Is Antonio Brown's off-the-field antics going to hurt Oakland this regular season? So I really hope it doesn't because I just picked him for my fantasy league in the third round. Great value pick by me. You know, I'm going to pat myself on the back there. But So I'm really hoping not. But when you watch Hard Knocks and you just read about different things that's going on over there, it's, it's hard to believe that it's not going to be an issue. Because even going back to his last year in Pittsburgh, uh, with just missing week 17 and his relationship with Roethlisberger and his propensity for tweeting at people who he feels are slighting him, I could see that being an issue going forward if, let's say, Derek Carr misses him on a couple long throws or they lose some games and Gruden mismanages something. And just seeing how he responds because he's never been in a situation that is seemingly as volatile than he is now because Pittsburgh is such a structured organization that it's not like that much craziness happens in Pittsburgh. And you could feel like in Oakland, like if they start one and four per se and Gruden starts trading people, I could see Antonio Brown starting to have some more off the field issues. First off, I just want to applaud you for getting a B in the third round of your fantasy draft. That is uh you know, that's a big-time pickup, and uh, I'm kind of surprised he lasted that long. You know, don't applaud me. It was, it was you know, I can only draft who's on the board. And it was the other 11 guys in, in my league who were on the team here, and they decided that between the frostbite and missing a lot of training camp with his helmet that they decided not to take the risk. So, But I said, hey, it's worth a shot. I've, I've never had A.B. On, on my fantasy team, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think that's, I think that's a great pick. And answering this question, I don't think his antics are going to hurt the team because I just think Oakland is going to suck. And so whether A.B. is an issue or not, if the team is this sorry and as sorry as I think they're going to be, I don't really think it's going to make a difference whether or not Antonio Brown is upset because he doesn't like his helmet or he wants more targets. I see them probably winning, I don't know, five or six games. And so ultimately, whether or not Antonio Brown is happy or whether or not he's out there being productive is is kind of irrelevant just because I think this team lacks talent and you kind of mentioned the environment that he left in Pittsburgh he and Ben Roethlisberger didn't have the best relationship at this point in Antonio Brown's career he can hang him up tomorrow and he's probably a hall of famer so I think for sure I think he's just trying to get this guaranteed money left on his contract without getting hurt and you know that's kind of why we've seen him make such a big fuss about his helmet and stuff because at the end of the day I I just I'm not sure how much he desires to win versus just you know leave the game healthy and continue to be Mr. Big Chest but you know one thing that you said about just Oakland everyone thinks that they're going to be bad and in the NFL this there's surprises every year but it seems pretty certain that Oakland's going to be weak because it just seems like they're just really really young 
and that even if they could put up some points, their defense is just you don't hear a lot about the guys on the defensive side of the ball, even in hard knocks, is really the only feature that that one rookie safety. And how much can a rookie safety really, if you think about it, impact a team's performance for a whole season? So I'm concerned and it makes me believe, you know, I'll, I'll go right into my first question for you, which is something I've been thinking about a lot is who's who's going to be the first coach fired? Because it, if you think about it, it's based on team performance and decision making the last two seasons, it Gruden should be up there between trading Khalil Mack and, and Amari Cooper. And, you know, he's saying all this time about how he is not certain about the quarterback situation. He wants to see it play out and not committing well he keeping he has three quarterbacks on the roster right now he has Derek Carr Nathan Peter Mann and Mike Glennon which is a, a hard notch hard knocks jokes for those watchers out there but it's like do we really know that for sure that he knows what he's doing like but if he didn't have this hundred million dollar contract he should be the first coach fired I agree with that completely if he didn't sign that new contract what he's done from trading away Cleo Mack Basically, through this entire Antonio Brown saga, everything he's kind of done has been a giant question mark. But because of that $100 million contract and the pending move to Vegas, I think they really have to put together a good season this year to get the fan base excited and invigorated for that move to Vegas. But you mentioned John Gruden as a potential first coach fired. If you're asking me who do I actually think will be the first coach fired, I think it'll be his brother, Jay Gruden, with the, the Redskins. I think they're going to be bad. And Jay, he's won an average of seven games over his five seasons in Washington. And their best player, Trent Williams, is holding out. So they're starting Case Keenum at quarterback. I would imagine Dwayne Haskins is in there before too long. Just want to uh, ease his way into into the NFL. But I, I, Doug Marone's another name I could see if the Jaguars struggle, but I actually think the Jaguars will be all right this year. So if, if I had to pick a name right now as the first coach fired, I'd probably go Jay Gruden. What do you think? You know, I actually kind of like Jay Gruden in that I think he's really overachieved and overperformed because if you think about the last five years, Washington has never had that great a roster. They've never gone into a year where you could say this this is the best roster in their division. And yes, he averages less than eight wins a season, but he, he's gone eight and eight a lot. And if you think about having Kirk Cousins for so many years, who is an, an average to above average quarterback and performing really well with him, Jay Gruden gets a lot of credit or should get a lot of credit for the contract that Kirk Cousins signed. And I think that he'll get one more shot. Dan Snyder obviously is a very unpredictable owner, and you don't know what he's going to do all the time. But I do think Jay Gruden has one more year. But the but the name you you said that that, that I think could, could be the first coach fired is uh, Doug Marone down in uh, Jacksonville because this is a roster that's extremely talented. They went went out this offseason, paid big money for for a quarterback in Nick Foles, thought to be the last piece of the puzzle after replacing Bortles. And if they don't do that well with the, with the talent on their roster, you could see them deciding to make a change because it'd be an underperforming team based on standards. If Jay Gruden wins four games this year, that's like I think people think that that would be overachieving four or five games this year for for the Washington roster. A lot of times when coaches get fired, it has a lot to do with expectations. So I think that's a really great point. Like you said, if the Redskins were to go out and go seven and nine. By most team standards, that's pretty abysmal. 
But given Washington's ra- roster and their expectations, pretty much the expectations outside of Dan Snyder, I think that'd be a, a resounding success. And Doug Marone, the expectations, they went 10-6 and six two years ago. This past year, they struggled. Blake Bortles is now gone. They have Nick Foles. So I think, you know, I'm not totally sold on Nick Foles as a quarterback. If he doesn't go out there and perform, and all of a sudden Jacksonville falls behind the eight ball, I think there's definitely a scenario in which Doug Marone is the first coach fired. But also, too, you talk about Foles. Foles is is not a guy who you could just put on any team and he would succeed. He's just not that good. But if you put him in the right system, like so many quarterbacks, I don't know if this roster is as talented as any of the Eagles rosters he was on, but it is really, really talented. And if you put a quarterback in a system with like Foles with guys around him who could really make the most of his skills and, and have him thrive in a in certain situation, put him in spots to succeed, I think Foles could be really good. And I think the like if people are going in expecting him to be playoff run 2018 Nick Foles, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you go into it saying, hey, this guy's going to be better than Bortles, he's going to give us a chance to win and compete in every game, and if we go 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six, all we got to do is just get in the playoffs. Because then it's just, you know, Joe Flacco beat Tom Brady in Foxborough. Mark Sanchez beat Tom Brady in Foxborough. Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Like, he can beat Brady, and they came really close to beating Brady two years ago. There's no reason why they couldn't again. Yeah, and so speaking of the Jaguars, I have a feeling where you might go on this question, but which team has the best chance to go from worst to first in their division? So there seems to be one of these at least every year, and the candidates this year in the NFC, you have the Lions, the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Buccaneers, and then the AFC, you have the Bengals, Raiders, Jets, and Jaguars. Who's your pick? So... My pick for the AFC would be the Jaguars because of Andrew Luck's retirement. And with Houston, just they're off the line, has a lot of trouble. And Watson has missed games before. So if so somehow Watson gets hurt, they are no longer the favorites. And maybe Jacksonville can win because that division is wide open. And in the NFC, I hate to beat the homer, but you could I could see the Giants... It's not likely at all, but I could see them coming in first more than any other team because with the Eagles, you have to worry about Carson Wentz's uh, durability. And their backup is Josh McCown, who two weeks ago, Kelly, was fishing. He was playing just as much football as, <laughs> as you and I were. And then with the Cowboys, you have Dak Prescott's contract. You have the Ezekiel Elliott situation. They're really talented, but they have probably the weakest coach in the division in Jason Garrett. And that's always a situation what what does Stephen A. Smith call them? Like a disaster waiting to happen. Like something always goes wrong with the Cowboys. So, and Washington is not that talented. I could see the Giants somehow in one of these terrible years because everyone's just going to beat up on each other, which go eight and eight and have a bunch of tiebreakers and somehow win the division, like best case scenario. So it sounds like you might have Stockholm syndrome, Dave. I do, but you know, as long as I know that I do, I think it's okay. So when I when I initially looked at this question, the Jaguars obviously popped out for a lot of the reasons we just discussed. Blake Bortles is gone. We mentioned Nick Foles. He, he's not the Messiah, but I think they needed new blood. So that's definitely a good thing. And they're in a tough division, but it's it's definitely wide open and kind of there for the taking now with Andrew Luck retired. And if Deshaun Watson gets hurt, as you mentioned, that's certainly there for the taking. Although I do like the Titans 
do not sleep on the Tennessee Titans. I've been saying that for a while. You have. You have. But the one team that I kind of really do like and I think is flying under the radar this year is the Buccaneers. But the one caveat is that they play in the NFC South. So that that's just such a tough division. And it's so tough when you have to play the Saints and the Falcons and the Panthers twice each. So my, my pick would be the Jaguars. And then as a sleeper, I'd pick the Bucks, but I just I don't really like their uh, their situation given the division they play in. For sure, and and that's why I didn't pick them is because they have to play the Saints twice and they have to play the Falcons twice. And with the Panthers, I think they can compete with the Panthers, but this playing Drew Brees and Matt Ryan four times is just going to be really brutal. But speaking of of Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, these are MVP candidates, Kelly. It seems like every year now. The favorite for MVP in the NFL isn't usually the preseason. Or, um, excuse, excuse me, that the winner of the MVP is not the preseason favorite. And guys come out of nowhere, have great seasons. Pat Mahomes last year, Matt Ryan. It's not always Peyton Manning's who's the favorite and then throws fifty-five touchdowns. Who's a guy who you're keeping your eye on? Who's not like who's a long shot for MVP, but realistic? as well like you could see it happening it's not like going and saying some like Nick Foles gonna win the MVP so I have two the the first is Deshaun Watson so I looked up the odds prior to this pod he's he's listed at 34 to 1 I, I kind of like that but just as kind of a tangent what what are the Texans what are they doing David it's bewildering Kelly trade away Jadeveon Clowney get pretty much nothing of note in return then they send two firsts and a second to Miami for Laramie Tunsil, who, for those who don't remember, this is the tackle out of Ole Miss who got, I mean, during the draft, there were images of him going around basically with a, I don't even know what it's called, a gas mask, I guess you could say. Um, and he, he, I guess he turned out to be a, a very good tackle, and that's why the Texans traded for him, but they did so before negotiating a contract with him. So they give up all this these assets and draft picks and give the guy almost historic leverage now in that they have to resign him because what would the perception be if they give up all of this for a left tackle and then let him walk? They basically have no other option but to resign him. And to me, this really speaks to how much teams need a GM. Yeah, badly. The Texans are right now, they're operating without a GM. And Bill O'Brien, who's the head coach, is also serving as the GM. So he's not really taking the bigger picture into account. He's more of a win-now mentality, as most coaches are. So I just think this whole situation in Houston, the perception is that it's kind of a dumpster fire. Lamar Miller got hurt. He tore his ACL. That kind of flew under the radar because it was the same night that Andrew Luck retired. Yeah. But I think that's going to be that's going to be a big loss for them. I know they traded for Duke Johnson, also traded for Carlos Hyde, so they're trying to kind of fill that running back by committee. But I can see I can see them thriving just because Deshaun Watson is so special. You're mentioning like win now, and they have an MVP candidate, as you're saying, Deshaun Watson. Well, Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, but to win football games you need good football players and Jadavion Clowney is a very good football player so if you're going all in on, on this season why are you trading Clowney like you could have trade him like, like you could trade him next year 
or in this or during the season if it's not working out. Like what? Like if you're gonna if you know you're gonna go all in this year, why are you trading one of your best defensive players? The only thing I can think of is maybe because he doesn't want to play under the uncertainty of not having a long-term deal. So maybe he was reluctant to play because kind of similarly to what what's happening with Ezekiel Elliott right now, unless he has money secured in the long term, why is he going to risk getting hurt in the present? So that would be my guess, but I, I totally totally agree because a lot of the moves that the Texans are making, they just don't make a lot of sense. Not at all. And so I couldn't agree more. I, I don't think Bill O'Brien's that good of a coach, and he's clearly a worse GM. So who's so who's your second pick? My second guy, I, I loved this guy in college. I was a little skeptical about him when he first entered the league. And then after watching him at the end of last season, I don't want to say I'm all in, but he's at 65 to one. And that's Lamar Jackson. Oh, dear God. He's going to be the focal point for a team that I expect to make the postseason. His throwing ability isn't great, but I think because he's such a dynamic runner, there are more throws or there are easier throws for him to make throughout the course of a game. And I just think the his running and passing numbers paired with the success that I think the Ravens might have this season, I think taking him at, at 65 to 1, I don't think there's a lot of better bets on the board. There's every other bet is a better bet because he is not going to win. <laughs> So my two picks are two NFC guys, and it's really a quarterback award. And it's we could see every year a team comes out of nowhere, has a great year, like the Cam Newton Panthers year, and the quarterback does great, wins MVP. Matt Ryan, the same thing in Atlanta. So the two guys I have my eyes on are Jimmy GQ, Jimmy Garoppolo out in San Francisco. Team's got a lot of hype. He's coming back off the ACL. We'll see how he does, but team's got a lot of hype. And if they have a great year and kind of not dethrone the Rams, but really challenge the Rams in the playoffs, I could see Jimmy getting some votes. And, you know, Kirk, you like that Cousins. Wow. Because he's because he's proven he, he has thrown for 4,000 yards a bunch of times during his time in Washington. He needs to do better against teams who are good and in the playoffs. I'll, I'll give you that. But a lot of that is... He has a much better team now. Minnesota is very good. And last year makes sense. It's You're coming off the devastating loss in the NFC Championship game, and it's always a letdown year. So I could see them. They're still really talented. He has great weapons in Stephon Diggs and uh, Adam Thielen, a good running game in Dalvin Cook, a good defense, and a winnable division. And I could see them going 12-4, and 13-3, and three, and Kirk Cousins could get a lot of buzz if he puts up 4,400 yards and 40 touchdowns. See, I think the NFC North is a lot like the NFC South in that the teams are going to kind of cannibalize each other because I think the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings are all going to be very solid teams. And I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that the Vikings could go 12 and 4 or 13 and 3, but I just, I think it's highly unlikely. And I think to win MVP at the quarterback position, I, I think you have to, your team has to have a great deal of success and you also have that personal success and Kirk Cousins he didn't have the greatest season last year if you don't recall Dave he kind of he struggled in that move from DC to, to Minnesota and he got that fully guaranteed contract and he didn't really live up to it so I think I mean I kind of I kind of like the pick I I like my Lamar Jackson pick a little more but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw dirt on your your Kirk Cousins MVP pick <laughs> 
it was a letdown year for for everyone. I I said that to with the beginning, but I think this year Kirk's going to come back. He's going to he's going to be Kirk. You like that cousins, not Kirk. Don't like that cousins this year. But but so speaking of three guys who are really really talented, but you know may not win MVP just because it's a quarterback league. Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon. Who has the most yards from scrimmage? All right, so I think this is a really interesting question. Two of these guys, Zeke and and Melvin Gordon, are in staring contests with their teams. And in Zeke's case, might be out week one. And I think Melvin Gordon is definitely going to miss possibly a large portion of the season. Le'Veon Bell hasn't taken a snap in over 600 days and is with a new team. Who will have the most yards from scrimmage this season? I'm going to rule out Gordon. And I think Zeke misses, I'll say he misses a game or two before he gets his contract situation squared away. But I still think he's going to be vintage Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take Zeke with the most of the three followed by Le'Veon and then Melvin, a distant third. How do you think they finish? So I think Zeke is probably third because I could see him actually sitting out the whole season. Uh, I don't know if he'll stay in Mexico the whole time because that would be an expensive hotel tab <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the the year. I would say Le'Veon too because I think Melvin Gordon will either come back and play for the Chargers or he'll get traded. And I think he's so good that there'll be some team who's going all in and will pick Melvin Gordon up. I could see him if he ends up in either Seattle or Green Bay, him having so many yards and being such a dynamic weapon for an offense because he's so good, Kelly. He's so good. In terms of pure talent on this list, who do you think, if you could start your team with one of these backs, which of the three would you choose? So probably just choosing on the field stuff, I'd probably choose Ezekiel Elliott, but factoring in all the other factors and such as age and off the field concerns, I'd probably take Melvin Gordon. Interesting. Okay, I think I would take Zeke for both who I would most want out of these three and also given the circumstances surrounding the three who will have the most yards from scrimmage this year. Interesting. David, I really like this question. So Andrew Luck kind of caught everyone off guard retiring early. Who is someone else in sports who you could see doing the same? In sports, wow. So I don't know anything about hockey, so there might be a few hockey guys, but... I, I don't know them, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. To truly be shocking, it would have to be a guy who's battled injuries, uh, had to miss a lot of games. There's no one really in basketball that comes to mind, really. I mean, it, I think it might be like a Paul George type guy who's had a lot of injuries and has played through some stuff. Uh, so maybe Paul George in the NBA. And, and baseball... Baseball's tough because you have a guy who's like missed a season or two. Uh, maybe like, I don't know. I don't want to say Bryce Harper because, well, Bryce has battled injuries, but he's not as old. Thir- he's got he's got 13 years and $325 million staring him down the table. That's true, but but look at how many years and how much money staring him down the table too. So a lot of That's times the money, the, the money isn't that much of a of a factor so what i kind of did i I had the same thought process you did i went 
I don't know enough about hockey. Baseball, I couldn't really think of anyone. There's obviously a lot of stuff with Tommy John surgery and, and of the like. So that's certainly... It would, it would have to be a pitcher who had Tommy John and then came back and like hurt his arm again. So I, I kind of continue to think. I, hadn't, I didn't really give Paul George much thought, but that's not a bad pick. The guy who I landed on, if I had to pick someone, I think I'd say Blake Griffin. Yeah, that, 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 that's a great comparison because they were both number one overall picks and, and hyped up a lot too. He's had a ton of injuries. I looked up some of the injuries that he's had. He's missed time with a broken left kneecap, loose bodies in his right knee. I, I'm not even sure what that means, but it sounds painful. Um, torn quadriceps and a fractured hand. So this dude's kind of been injured all over the place. Those all sound very painful. <laughs> yeah, they all sound. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. And in the playoffs last year, he was so hobbled he could barely make it up and down the court. I don't know if yeah. you remember when they played the Bucks, but it was the Pistons got obliterated. But just watching Blake Griffin try to tough it out, that was that was painful to watch, and it looked like he was in a lot of pain. And this offseason, he had arthroscopic knee surgery to try and repair that, but. On top of all the injuries and whatnot, you kind of also have to take into account, I think, like circumstance. And here's a guy who's playing in Detroit. He's made millions. He, he clearly has ambitions outside of basketball. I've seen him do stand-up. He's, he's actually pretty funny. And, he's you very know, funny. He's yeah, very funny. Yeah, he's, he's, got a, he's got a really – he's very witty. He's got a good sense of humor. And I'm not, you know, necessarily saying it will happen, but if I had to pick someone that would kind of follow and – Andrew Luck's footsteps and you know call it quits early I think that would be the guy who I'd go with and and maybe it would, for, for hockey it would, it would be a guy who's battled concussions so off the top of my head I know he's won a bunch of championships but I also know Sidney Crosby has dealt with a bunch of concussions in his career so if he ever hung it up because of uh, concussion concerns that I think that would be somewhat along a similar line of Andrew Luck even though probably Crosby's better than Luck in his sport but so moving on speak speaking of basketball this is this is a similar question that we use a lot in basketball terms, which is some guy's going off, he's having, he's, he starts hitting threes. I, it's, it's like the Steph Curry uh, heat up where like you see him hit a couple, you start to feel it, and you're like, you text everyone you know, like Steph's heating up, you got to get to the closest TV. Is there a guy in football or something that's applicable uh, scenario where it's like you got to get to a TV right now, something's happening? Is it a player or, or a situation that you just have to stop what you're doing to watch? So in basketball, I get what you're saying. And the ultimate just heat check dude, in my opinion, Steph Curry gets a lot of, you know, the pub and notoriety. I think Clay Thompson, when Clay Thompson is firing on all cylinders, it is a sight to see. So in the NBA, I think that'd be my guy, although you can't really go wrong with Steph. I just I got kind of a soft, a soft spot for Clay. But in the NFL, I think the only answer is Patrick Mahomes. If he's feeling himself and launching bombs, I feel like that's appointment television. Mahomes is incredible. And I fully encourage anyone who didn't get a chance to watch him a lot last year. He'll be on so many primetime games this year that really carve out some time to watch him him play football because it's, it's special to watch. But I always am a fan of, of uh, Russell Wilson, when he starts doing Russell Wilson stuff as, as Bill Simmons, or really Cousin Sal impersonating Bill Simmons used to call him way back in the day, Russell, Russell Hustle and Bustle Man, Russell Wilson. I mean, 
the stuff that he does on the football field sometimes is it's just incredible. I remember the the NFC Championship game against the Packers when he came back down and thrown all those interceptions, and he's just an incredible, fun player to watch. So Wilson's probably the one guy for me that if that if he's leading a drive under two minutes and a chance to win. I'm all in on on Russell Wilson. All right, so you go Russell Wilson. Some honorable mentions, maybe. I say Tyree Kill, but I think that's largely in part because of Patrick Mahomes. For sure. And then kind of going back to our Giants roots, as we mentioned earlier, when Odell Beckham is kind of oh my God. In, in the groove and you know feeling himself a little bit, that is must-see TV. And then the last guy who I thought of, we kind of hit on him earlier, but Ezekiel Elliott kind of – just because the way the Cowboys feed him religiously, if he finds a groove, there's really no stopping that man. No, not at all. And and the obvious pick is, is Tom Brady with under two minutes because you just know what's going to happen. He's going to go down and score. But So I, I want to do a little bit outside the box. And, and, my, and my non-quarterback, as you said, Beckham was awesome. He's just so good and so exciting. And then my other guy for, for that was uh, Julio Jones, just because he's so big, he's so physical. He just... When he's just getting open, there's really nothing you can do to stop him. There's there's no defensive back who can stop him one-on-one in the world. So, Dave, last question we got. This is kind of a questionable one to me, but the question is, is Daniel Jones going to make the Hall of Fame? I think the answer is yes. I, I was thinking about this. I, I, you know, I really thought about this every day since I first saw him take a snap in, in the Giants' great blue jerseys. He just looks so much like the prototypical QB, you know, big, don't know how strong he is, don't know how fast he is, but he just looks like a quarterback. Like he's walking around. He's just like, you know how he's like, oh, like I would want that guy to be the quarterback. No, he definitely, definitely passes the eye test. I think it's hilarious. The course reversal Giants fans have taken from the moment he got drafted, everyone was up in arms like, what are they doing? Why are they taking a quarterback? Why are they taking this quarterback? To now, all of a sudden, it's he should start week one. He's the heir apparent. He's going to be, I mean, we're talking about if Daniel Jones is going to be a Hall of Famer. How about he starts a game before we kind of get this hype train rolling? And, and I mean, this was my question. I, I am being a little facetious here and just kind of just trying to add some light to the end of this of this podcast but when you watch him in preseason he looks so good man i mean he looks really really good he really does he looks really good and he's hitting the deep ball which was kind of the thing that everyone said we were all like well he has no arm strength and can't throw a deep ball so how can he succeed in the nfl but then he's coming out and he's making all the passes that we thought he couldn't make and you could say it's vanilla coverages against backups but it's still nfl speed it's still nfl players and it's not like the field dimensions are any shorter in the preseason like it's still deep balls in small windows in the nfl because the backups in the nfl are still probably better than who he was playing at duke most weeks except when he played clemson probably the and he's doing it it's not just week one it's guys are now getting a little bit of film on him and he's still doing it. he's still hitting throws and also people love to talk about the backup defensive back he's playing about playing with what about the backup receivers he's thrown to as well it's not like he has odell beckham or julio jones to throw to right now he's thrown to guys who are desperately trying to make the roster i mean you can only play against the guys who are lined up on the other side of the ball and right now he's absolutely carving them up and he's kind of 
reminded me a little bit. I obviously they're on the same team. He's trying to take his spot, but if he can just wind up being a more athletic version of Eli Manning, I think that's a pretty darn good quarterback because nowadays everyone likes to take a dump on Eli Manning and just, you know, kind of laugh at him and how unathletic he is and how much of a joke it is that he's still getting run out there at quarterback for the Giants. He's not as great as he used to be, but he used to be a very, very good quarterback. And if Jan- Daniel Jones can, you know, come close to replicating that, but instead of running like a 740, he can run like a 48 or a 49. And all of a sudden, there's an elusive guy back there dropping back in the pocket when you have Saquon flanking out to the side. And the Giants' receiving core isn't great, but I think the future, uh, the future is pretty bright. The future is very bright, and the Giants' receiving core isn't great, but it's solid because they they just have guys. Evan Ingram is very good, and he gets open. Golden Tate throughout his career, we'll we'll see how how he does this year, has been able to get open for a bunch of different teams, whether it's Seattle, Detroit, Philly, and Sterling Shepard, albeit he had Beckham his whole career to really draw most of the coverages, has proven that he can get, get open. So they don't have a stud. And that's probably what making people wonder about them. But they have a bunch of guys who are professionals, have done this for a while, and should be just reliable targets. Probably not anyone who could break off the spectacular play, but just solid targets. And to your point about Eli, people don't realize or forget that Eli Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He doesn't play like a Hall of Fame quarterback now, but he won two Super Bowls of his own and has made the playoffs a bunch. And by the end of his career, when you look at his stats and his numbers, you're gonna, pe- people are going to be like, wow, this guy had a great career and is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. David, so listen to this real quick. Eli Manning is two games over 500 at the moment for his entire career. So if the Giants kind of don't have a great start and Eli Manning is thrown out there, there's a chance that this is Eli Manning's last year that he could actually retire with a losing record, which I think would be... That wouldn't be the greatest uh, greatest way to end a career for sure. Not great, but I don't think that that will happen. You think you think the Giants are going to be better than two games below five hundred when Eli is the starting quarterback this season? Well, it's just when do you think that they'll go to Jones? I think it's either after Week Three when they're struggling mightily if they if they start zero and three at that point it's like why not start the rookie that's one place and then the other spot would be after they play the patriots on thursday night they play the cardinals i believe on a sunday so daniel jones would have a long week to prepare i think i think those are the two places or the two spots that make the most sense and if he isn't inserted in either of those games i think it's a realistic possibility that the Giants stick true to their guns and as much or as little sense as it makes to play Eli all season, I think that's also in the cards as well. I was more of a gut defense of my guy, Eli. He's been he's been our guy for, for so long, but not, but now that I think about it and you mentioned <laughs> mentioned the teams who we have to play early in the season, it's like, uh yeah, he might be under five hundred because if he starts the whole season, he will definitely be under five hundred because because we are not probably a seven and nine team, right? Seven and nine, I think, if Eli plays the whole season, which that doesn't behoove Giants fans because you want to get Daniel Jones some reps under his belt as soon as possible. But seven and nine with Eli starting all year at quarterback, I think, is probably close to best case scenario. For sure. And even if we go seven and nine, the Giants would then 
or in Eli Manning's Giants career, he would be a 500 quarterback. And it yeah. would just be how much of those Super Bowls and stats count versus the last five years of just a really, very honestly, just a poorly constructed roster. All right, well, football's back, baby. Football is back. We, we want to give a big shout-out to our guest last week, Taylor, Taylor Silva. Not only was he a great guest, but he provided great college football insights. Two and one. He went two and one on his three locks of the week. And so because of his success, we are, we're bringing it back. Taylor is unfortunately on a flight back to New York now. He was down in Alabama for the long holiday weekend. So he cannot be joining us today as we were recording Monday night on Labor Day. Uh, he's given us his locks for this week. He only has one lock, and it is LSU minus four and a half versus Texas this week. This is a game that is being played at Texas in Austin, and LSU would then have to win by more than four and a half points. So that is Taylor's lock of the week. And we're very excited to see how how it goes because that is definitely the prime time game of the week. I'm pumped for it, Kelly. Yeah, he said write it in stone. Joey Burrows had a big showing this past Saturday, five touchdowns in the first half. Texas and Tom Herman, they have said that they are on the brink of bringing the program back for quite some time. But according to Taylor, that will have to wait because LSU is going to go into Austin and punch the Longhorns in the mouth. But I do like my guy, Sam Ellinger. He was one of my sleeper picks, or really players, highlighted players before the season. And I think he's going to put up a fight. It's going to be a true road game for LSU. You know Matthew McConaughey is going to be their new new professor at the University of uh, of Texas, visiting, for, visiting film professor this year. So for those kids who get a chance to learn from an Oscar winner, that that's a really unique opportunity. And he's known as a big Texas super fan. So I am just pumped and ecstatic to see this game. It's the first real test of the season. Yeah, that'll be a great one. And there's a couple other good ones on slate. I know we have Clemson and, and Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is going to have a chance to dethrone Dabo Sweeney in the defending national champ. So we definitely have a good weekend of college football ahead of us. For sure, and it's just last week as as we were texting me, you, Jordan Sears, Harry Rafferty a little bit. It was a it was a little sloppy on the eyes at times, but we're just so happy that college football is back. And Thursday night, Bears, Packers, the NFL will be back. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Thank you everyone for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes five stars would be much appreciated if you have any feedback for the show good bad or indifferent you can tweet at us our twitter account is dbl underscore dbl podcast or you can shoot us an email our email account is double double four zero two at gmail.com thanks again for listening take care and make it a great day